Hear the word of the Lord in Psalm 119, 33 through 40. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline your heart, my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, i got to show you a weird picture this morning, something you probably wouldn't expect to see at church today. Yeah, you got, who, who is that? Do you know who that is? But yeah, Best Buddha, right? We don't normally talk about Buddha at church. Um, but it's, I'm going to tell you a story. There's a reason why it makes maybe hopefully sense. So, so this is the largest uh, golden Buddha that they know of in the world. Uh, let me tell you how big this thing is. It's over 10 feet wide. It's over 12 feet high. It weighs 11,000 pounds, which is, what, five and a half tons? Um, they say melted down, at least at one point somebody gave it an idea that it was worth over $250 million worth of gold. Uh, I don't know. I, can't, I don't keep up with prices. You guys can do some math if you really are interested. It's worth a whole lot of money. Um, it was made in the 1300s in Thailand. Um, so it's a, obviously a very old thing. It's uh, over 700 years old. Uh, so they made it, but at some point they were going to be invaded. And the king, or, uh, yeah, the king was worried it would obviously get taken. And so he said, well, let's move it and let's uh, cover it in plaster so that it doesn't look like that, which is pretty impressive looking. So they covered it in plaster and they put it in a small village. Somehow they got the thing moved. Um, the invaders came and took over a bunch of stuff, but they didn't mess with this thing because it just looked like a kind of a dumpy plaster statue. And, um, and then at some point in the 1700s, they were free of these captors, but they moved it. Um, but it was ugly. And so they were like, well, what do we do with this thing? And people, it kind of grew out of fashion. And they said, but it's still Buddha. We, we need to do, so they built it like a little hut outside. So it stayed in the rain for uh, like a couple hundred years. And then um, uh, in the 1950s, they were, they were, they needed to be moved again. And uh, some company tried to move it, and it broke the crane, and it fell into the mud. And they didn't know how to get to it. They didn't know how to move it. So they just kind of left it. But I guess you're not supposed to, like, you know, leave Buddhas in the mud. So then another group came. And uh, they fought. But what had happened when it fell off the crane, the backside of it where it hit the ground actually broke. The plaster broke, as you would imagine. And when they f started to move it that time, they realized, hey, this, there may be more to this than just some plaster. Um, and so uh, they, they cleaned the thing off, and this is what we have, which is some, some consider them, you know, the most valuable, most whatever artistic, beautiful Buddha there exists. Point being, from 500 years, Nobody knew what it was, and nobody really cared that much 
about it. It had been lost and forgotten through the generations. And, you know, this incredible thing that's worth, obviously, an incredible fortune was disregarded. Nobody really cared much about it. Sometimes important things get lost. Uh, Sometimes important things get forgotten. Is there something important in your life that you've ever lost? I've lost uh, two wedding rings already. This one is, this is actually probably number four. But um, the third one is in a drawer somewhere because it was just like a cheap one. Because we stopped, I'm not going to get a nice ring if I'm just going to keep losing it. So I'm thankful my wife hasn't lost hers yet because hers is a little more valuable than mine. My first one is in somewhere in the mountains of New Mexico. Um, the second one, I, where did, we don't remember. I'm not sure. There's no telling. Somewhere on this planet uh, is the second one. And then um, this one is like a, a cheap recreation of the original. So it looks just like the original that I had, but it's, it's not the origi- original. So I've lost something important. You may have as well. It's a, maybe some earrings got accidentally, you know, washed down the sink or something. I don't know. But um, today we're going to read an incredible story of something that, that was forgotten. Um, and we're going to kind of look at the story of a man who tried to recover what had been lost. Um, and so we're going we're gonna, gonna to see the process. What, what does it look like to recover something that had been forgotten? Uh, so let's pray together. Father, would you encourage us? Would you enlighten us? Would you speak to us through your word? Lord, help us uh, to hear your truth. Help us to be changed by it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I, I called an audible and changed our passage for this morning. So if you were thinking, hey, we're only going to do one verse, because we were had Luke 2.52, we'll probably get back to that in the next couple of weeks. But we're doing something a little bit different. So if you'll turn to uh, the book of Second Kings, which is kind of bef- in the almost middle of, of your Bible. Second Kings, we're going to look in chapter 22 and then also parts of 23, but we'll just start in chapter 22. We're going to read verses 1, one and 2, and then we're going to skip down a little bit, and we'll read 8 through 13. When jo- uh, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozketh. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And then skip down uh, to verse 8. And Hilkiah the priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it to the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. This, then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Micaiah, 
And Shaphan the secretary and Messiah, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Okay, so I'm going to give you a, a, a quick Israel history lesson because it's important for, for understanding what in the world just took place. So uh, we have David, right, the great king, and then his son Solomon uh, reigned. And then when Solomon died, uh, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. Uh, and this is in nine. 30 BC, so 930 BC. Uh, there's a northern kingdom of 10 tribes, and then there's the southern kingdom that they called Judah, because it was mainly Judah. It had Jerusalem, it had the house of the Lord, and then the northern 10, king, uh, northern ten tribes uh, were the king, kingdom of Israel. So Israel up top, Judah south. Two kingdoms. The top one's always bad. So Israel's always bad. Uh, once the kingdoms are divided. They never do what's right. They're never good. They're always evil. Lots of bad, bad things. In 722 BC, so just over 200 years of being an independent country, uh, separated from their, their cousins in the south, they're defeated by the Assyrians in 722. So 722, the 10 northern kingdoms are, are just beaten up and pounded and, and they're gone. In the nor- northern kingdom of Israel, over. They don't come back. Uh, Judah uh, is a little bit more of a mixed history, uh, but you would think, hey, they l- should learn from their cousins who were always bad, and God said they were going to pun- He was going to punish them because they didn't do right. Maybe they'll do better, and they didn't really change much. It it, it didn't really get any better. So, um, Judah had good kings and bad kings. The worst they ever had was a guy named Manasseh, and he's in chapter twenty-one of Second. Uh, second kings. So he's terrible, uh, but he reigned for 55 years. So he was the king over Judah for 55 years. Manasseh. Just say bad Manasseh. You'll always remember. remember. He was a bad, bad king. Bad Manasseh. 55 years. Um, he, he, he sacrificed his own children. He did some really, uh, to other gods, he did some terrible, terrible things. Um, and he completely turns Judah away from the Lord. Um, Sometime they lost the Bible. I mean, just lost it. It's just they don't have it anymore. They don't talk about it. They don't think about it. Whatever the priests were doing, they weren't doing things that had to do with the Bible. Um, they, you know, the, the, the temple becomes this place where they're doing idol worship. It's just all bad. Just all bad. Um, and so finally, after 55 years, Manasseh dies. Uh, he has a son named Ammon. Ammon will take over, and he's awful too. I mean, just, just as bad as his father. Um, but after two years, he's assassinated. Um, he, he is murdered. And so uh, at that point, who's going to be king? Well, he's, he's a young king, and he has children. And so his, uh, his son is chosen to be the next king, uh, Josiah. And Josiah was eight years old when he's chosen to be the king. So I want you to just kind of give yourself a little bit of context. Do we have an eight-year-old in here? You have an eight-year-old, or, or, yeah, you have a seven-year-old daughter. Avery's 11, right? She's not in here. She just had a birthday. She's not 10. She's 11. Um, 
eight years old, now the king of, of Judah, an eight-year-old boy named Josiah. And so, you know, just kind of imagine this tragedy of having the, the, the king murdered. The, what's going what's gonna to bring stability to the nation? How are we going to heal as a nation? An eight-year-old boy. So things in, in Judah are wild, crazy. And there's no Bible, right? There's no Bible that anybody knows that is looking for. It's just an absolute tragedy. Well, so Josiah has been, uh, after a while, he's been um, the king, and, and it's starting to get the hang of it. He's grown up. He's apparently a pretty smart kid. Um, and he, he, he does some restoration to his own palace. And at, at the end of that, he kind of says, well, hey, what else can we fix? We should probably fix that building over there that, you know, used to be important. Um, and so they start to, to repair the temple. And while they're repairing the temple, they clean it out and they find things tucked away in closets and all kinds of stuff. And somebody finds a Bible, what we would call the Old Testament. Well, parts of it, at least, right? They find the law. They find the law. And it, nobody even was, knew they were looking for it. it somehow it, it, it had just gotten lost and forgotten over, over generations. And, and so some guys read it and go, well, wow, this sounds like it's from the Lord. This might be important. And he shares it with another guy. Well, yeah, that sounds, let's maybe take it to the king, see what he thinks. Right, and this is the passage that we just read. The king hears it for the very first time and says, uh-oh, we've forgotten. This is the word of God, and we haven't been anything like this. And he is absolutely devastated. He's 26 years old, and he's devastated. So, if you still have your Bible open, you can turn to, uh, or just look there at, at 2 Kings chapter 23. We're going to read just a few verses of this story just to kind of keep it going here. And so it says, Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem uh, were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Jerusalem, or sorry, of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Ju Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. And so the story goes, they, they restore the temple, they restore the priests to the way they're supposed to be and, and all the, the practices that they were supposed to be doing. They got back to the way the Scripture had told them to live. All under, under the, the rule of Josiah, this had been eight-year-old and now, now young man realizing what it means to follow God. Josiah will be the last good king of Judah. His sons, his grandson, uh, is the last king of Judah, and in 586, Judah will be destroyed by the Babylonians. Um, his, his son and grandson are responsible for the collapse of Judah. So I don't want to focus on the, the national part of, of, of any of this story. I, in fact, I think I'd rather personalize it a little bit. Figuratively speaking, how many of us have, have let the temple get run down? How many of us have, have lost the word in our lives amongst all the other junk? 
Uh, I, you know, I know that we have Bibles in our cars and on our coffee tables and next to our beds and on our phones. They go with us everywhere, right? You name it, we have Bibles. I have Bibles tucked away in all kinds of places, right? My backpacks and car, uh, everywhere. But I don't think it's an exaggeration if I say that too often we neglect the Word. Too often we neglect our Bibles. And we're, we're going to talk more about distractions in the coming weeks. But I just want to give you a quick thought that's been bugging me lately. The average person who has social media spends two and a half hours a day on it. Two and a half hours a day on social media. Facebook, Instagram, I don't know, whatever. I don't know what you guys have. There's all, I don't even know the names of all of them anymore. I've, I've finally turned that corner that I, I, I can't keep up with, with what people watch and use anymore. But two and a half hours a day. And again, we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks, but I just want you to think about that. Two and a half hours a day. If you're younger, bad news, the average millennial spends five hours a day on social media. The average Gen Zer. Uh, spends five and a half hours a day on different forms of social media. Five and a half hours a day. What else in your life would you say you do for two hours to five hours a day? What else do you do? You garden, you work out. You, what else do you do? You Maybe you watch TV that long if you're not on social media, and we'll get to that too in the coming weeks. But can you see how quickly Scripture can lose its place in our lives when we're elevating other things to that much of, of our time. So I don't want to speak for you. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I, could, I think I could say for all of us, our, our lives don't go well when we neglect the Word. We're never in a good place when we've neglected the Word. And so what you and I need for our life, what we need for wisdom every day, is the Word of God. And yet here we are neglecting it for other things, for other things. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, we read, you know, they always put out articles at this kind of time of the year. That people talk about, you know, holidays being the most stressful season. Of, uh, you know, 60% of people say that the holidays are the most stressful time of their lives. 50% of people say they would skip the holidays because life would just be easier without them. 50% of people say they would skip the holidays. I think that's interesting. Right? Because there's busyness and financial difficulties and family tension and all the, all the stuff you guys know. And some of us, on the other hand, are guilty of living for the holidays. We think, yeah, life's a mess, but at least we have this one month of happiness. Right? And I'm going to fill it with decorations and goodies and fun things to eat and music and gifts and parties and all the stuff. And, and I can just get by by the year by, by escaping into the holidays for one month every year. But guess what? If you're in that category of people, you're, you're in that sad season where now you're feeling let down. Because what? The holidays are over. You feel a little bit incomplete. The, the music, you know, the radio stations have gone back to playing normal music again. And um, all the, the, the things that you got to open at Christmas, but they've probably been put up now. Um, you know, the TV's not going to be showing Elf for several more months. You won't get to see, see that a, a, any, anymore. And just like the church did, which thank you to all who did it, the decorations have to go up, right? Your house has got to go back to the way that it was. It's time to take the decorations down. So now what? 
And I'm not just trying to depress anybody this morning, but I'm just trying to show you that, that like Judah, we can, we can neglect the word. We can put other things in our lives in, in place of, of what should be there. We can live for the wrong things. I, and I, I love the seasons. I love spring and summer and fall and winter. And I, I love that there's kind of a change. Not, it, I don't like monotony. I like, I, I like the fact that there's something to look forward to, that there's something different. And, and, and I like a new year. It's, it's helpful for me in my mind to think about a fresh start and, and, and to review what I've been up to. And, and so here we are, sitting at the beginning of 2023. And, and I would just say it's valuable for us to, to spend some time reflecting on the year that we've had. And as we start a new year, do you know where you are? Do you know what you've been through? Do you know what you've experienced? Do you know what the Lord is doing in your life right now? Could you say that if I asked you? Yeah, I, I know how the Lord is working on me right now. I know, I know what's, what's going on. Could I ask, could you answer if I asked you, what, it, what have you lost? Has Scripture been like this giant Buddha or, or, or like, you know, my wedding ring or, or, or you know, Josiah's case, the, this, the word, has it been lost in your life? To where it's not really that important anymore, and it's 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 been busied by so many other things that it just kind of has, has been pushed out. I, I I'm a person I always have to kind of do my own house cleaning in my life and go, where where are my habits? What am I up to right now? And and I've got to do my own house cleaning, and, and I'm in that process for myself right now. Uh, starting 2023, what, what do I want to look different? What what needs to change? What sins need to be eliminated? What bad habits? Where does what what, what does that need to do? And, and I can just say, I've been too distracted. Too distracted by, you know, college football bowl season w- was bad for me, right? I, I probably watched most of them, even ones that I'd never heard of before and teams that I don't know who they are. I, I don't know. I was just distracted. I haven't spent the time in Scripture that I wish I could say that I had. Right? I don't know if you're like me, but, but I can say that. Now, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I know Scripture. Like, I'm pretty good at it. I have a master's degree in it. I, I spent a lot of time studying it. And, and you know, my job for a, a decade was to teach it for eight hours a day. Like, that was what I did all day long. So, like, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at knowing, knowing Scripture. But I can still neglect it. I can still neglect it and it not be in my life like it needs to be. You can know a lot about the Bible and not live it out. Not have it be the thing that you spend your time being consumed by. Not cherishing and not meditating on it throughout your day. And hopefully you know what I'm saying here. All of us, I think, are guilty of neglecting our time with God and neglecting reading His Word. We know that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So for ev- if it applies to every good work, it applies to everything, then that means we need it in every season. So if I said, what areas of your life are you struggling with? I can tell you that you're going to find the answer in Scripture. <laughs> I can find the answer by being closer to Christ, by growing in His Word. You have money issues, you have relationship issues, you have sins, temptation, anger, selfishness, you name it. Scripture has something to say about it. Scripture is the answer. Know Jesus this year and spend time in his word. Simple enough. 
So I'm not sure where you are, and it doesn't matter where you've been, but here we are in 2023, kind of a, a chance, I think, for all of us to, to take stock of where we are, to have a new beginning, and it's time to move forward. A season to commit to Scripture, if you are already doing that. And so I came up with something practical. Um, you know, for, for many of us, starting, starting something, it, it's hard. You know, if I said, hey, just read the Bible, it kind of feels like an aimless thing. I don't know exactly what to do. Where do I start? How, what's the process? How do I go about doing it? So I, I came up with something practical. A reading plan for 2023. Um, you, you may have seen them there next to the, the bulletins. If you didn't get one, it, I would encourage you to grab one. There are uh, thousands of these other places, and they all look different. This one is mine, and it's just, it's an attempt. It's not perfect. It's all of the New Testament, and it's the Psalms uh, for, the, for the year. So it's, some of you have maybe read the Bible in a year. This is obviously a much smaller task than that. This is reading the New Testament uh, and all of the Psalms in the year. You can add, uh, if you look at it, you can add the Proverbs. You just put the day of the month that you're on and read that proverb. You'll read Proverbs 12 times if you want to, if you want to add to it. But this is just a way to start. If you're like me, I like checking boxes. I like to say I did it, got my reading done for the day, and this is helpful for me. So if it's helpful for you, there's bunches of them back there. Um, there's blue ones and yellow ones and whatever, different, some different colors. But, um, you know, scripture can, reading Scripture can feel scary and overwhelming. This is like five to ten minutes. That's not... If you spend two and a half hours on social media, five to ten minutes is nothing. Maybe you, maybe you move that up over time and, and start daring into some other things and reading further, but, but at least get started. At least build a routine. At least build the habit of doing this. Five or ten minutes. You could do that. And if you have a different plan, that's, that's fine. This was just one to, to help somebody get started if they need to get started. It's a helpful one for me. A, a cool thing about it is Maybe other people around you will do the same thing and you'll have something to talk about. You can know, hey, the people sitting in my pew are going to be reading the same thing this morning or the same thing today that I'm reading. We're in the same place in John or Matthew or Luke or wherever. We're doing it together. Hopefully that you'll find that helpful. Um, there's all different kinds of translations and study Bibles and if you want recommendations, let me know. Um, just pick one and just start going and and uh, if you don't like it, you can change it. But, yeah, again, if you, if you want some, some input, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Just start reading. Just start reading. Pray. And then read. And then pray. That's, that's it. It's a great place to start and see where you go from there. So here we are in 2023. I, I hope that you haven't uh, lost your love of the Word. I hope you haven't forgotten it. But that's, if you have, that's okay. If you've been too distracted by the world, that's okay. We're starting, leaving all that behind, and we're starting, doing something new. 2023 can be uh, a, a year that you get back into the Word, and, and, and we can do that together. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully you find this helpful. You can grab one. They're back there on that table. Um, it's never too late to start. You can turn it, put it behind you, whatever has happened, and start again. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We know that it is useful in our lives. It is useful in all that we do. It's the way that we know you. It's the way we can know what you have for us in our lives to do as well. 
God, would you renew us? I'm inspired by Josiah. And, and hearing the word gave him life and, and helped him bring life to, his, to his, everyone around him and to his, the nation. God, would you do that to us as well? Would you, would you bring new life to us? And, and maybe that would trickle into our families and our friends and, and every situation. God, and the, this church would be renewed by your word in ways it never has been before. Father, would you help us? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.